The current spoiler warning level is crimson. Great Gundam Project friends, please be warned. Uh, this episode comes with a spoiler warning level of crimson. This is going to be containing entirely content that is not covered by the Great Gundam Project thus far. We are going to be talking about Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. There will be uh, plot spoilers for Season 1, all through Season 1, and then mechanical spoilers for both Season 1 and 2, um, with some of the mechanics discussed in Season 2 having uh, story implications. So if you have not seen Iron-Blooded Orphans... Uh, Unless you don't care about spoilers, I would tap out here. Uh, this is a bonus episode. Um, we're putting out two today uh, because we wanted to do one where we talked about more spoilery stuff, but we didn't want to leave our, uh, our GGP friends high and dry. Enjoy the episode. Hello, friends and folks. Welcome back to Mechanista NG. This is the same week, and you're getting another episode. Lucky you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Six Datmar from Scanline Media. I'm Dylan from Internet. I, I and if you are here... <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, and if you are here and you didn't pay attention to the spoiler warning that I loaded at the top, you should really pay attention because this is going to be spoilery for GGP. If you are a Great Gundam Project listener, there's going to be spoilers. There yep. just are. Yep. So because there are such an extensive amount of mobile suits, we kind of realized, okay, what we'll try to do is we'll try to keep one GGP-friendly episode and then one episode that is just going to be hog wild. We talk about a mecha from any other, you know, timeline uh, that mm -hmm. hasn't been covered yet. Because again, we understand there's a lot of audience crossover there. And on one hand, we want to be really respectful. On the other hand, there's some really cool mobile suits that might be neat to talk about. And some of them, it would take years to get to because they're still a couple years off from GGP. So this is yeah. kind of a bonus episode for those who have seen other Gundam works, and just want to hear us ramble about another mecha um, yeah. from one of those later ones. Our, uh, our non-GGP areas of the spreadsheet are not as fleshed out, but we do have enough to do some rolling. So uh, 1 to 2 is Anno Domini, 3 to 4 is Cosmic Era, and 5 to 6 is Post-Disaster. Let's see what we get. Post-Disaster it yes! is! Yes! Good! I was hoping for that. <laughs> Okay, uh, well then we're going to roll a 1d20 and divide it by 2, because I've only got 10 entries on this list. I'll, I'll have to add more later. <laughs> okay, I have rolled number 5, the greys! Oh, the greys, okay, this is a fun one. Oh, I like the greys a lot, so... I do too. This is a good machine. Alright, so... The greys, uh... Some might say the Zaku of Iron-Blooded Orphans. Others might say the Leo of Iron-Blooded Orphans. Just because <laughs> yeah, of, I, um... as a, as a... <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it's definitely the Grunt Machine, and it is in green. Um, it is definitely something that I can see people having more. Um, I could see them having a more Leo-ish feel to it, just because of how. It is represented in the show, uh, as well as how, like, it's got all these, like, little 
pieces and parts that it throws on it all the time uh mm-hmm. like whether that's and it even has it even has the like the space colors which look like the leo space colors uh-huh yep and it it's backpack it can be a space configuration or a uh ground configuration you know you get all these little details that that almost make it feel a little bit more like a leo than a zaku because it's also a very modular mm-hmm. machine which is the thing that the leo has going on yeah um, yeah I, I, I like this thing a lot, actually. Um, so this is our first design by Kanetake uh, Ebikawa. Always bad at saying that name fast. Um, Ebikawa is a designer I really like. Um, he started working on Gundam with Double O in an official capacity. Mm. But in a non-official capacity, uh, he is... He is a sort of on and off member of a Dojin group called Windfall. Windfall is a Dojin group um, that is actually its primary member is um, another favorite of mine, uh, Takayuki Yanase. And Yanase is also a designer on a lot of these shows. Uh, they are both sort of a common duo for alternate universe uh, Gundam shows. Uh, hmm. And they work together a lot. Um, but, uh, and, but Windfall actually had done some Gundam doujins of their own storylines and such, and their own designs, uh, way back in, like, dating back to the early 2000s, possibly before then. It's a little hard to find some of the stuff online for them, and it's always one of those things that, like, if I end up finding, like, scans or something, I'm like, oh, I need to grab this, because it's really cool seeing mechanical designers who are fans of the series, that end up becoming like mainline designers. Yeah, yeah. Um, e- Ebikawa is also really cool because he, um, he seemingly knows how to do CG work, uh, and he has aided in the design of several models uh, and toys that they have done of his designs uh, for shows <laughs> such as like uh, Full Metal Panic. The uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. The Levitane. Uh, it's the the thing named after the legendary weapon that appears in a lot of JRPGs. <laughs> um, mm. Uh, the Levitane, I think it is. Um, and uh, some of the other toys, like, uh, you know, another design by him would be, like, the Double O Riser and the Double O Gundam. Uh, but yeah, Ebikawa is a designer I really like. And uh, the Graze is one of his designs that is just, it's it's just a really cool, unique-looking design. It's You look at it from a simple view, and it has a very simple like simplistic like put together like you know a lot of flat panels a lot of like you know not not a ton of mechanical detail going on necessarily but that's kind of the point it's the grunt Mm -hmm. of the show and it's the one that also is like very modular because beyond the grays you get a lot of grazes in that show oh yes and it's just really cool um so i'm very glad we got this one um yeah, so uh, like speaking as far as its, its heritage in the show, this is a mobile suit that is built by uh, Gallerhorn, the sort of like the big fascist space cops, um, as basically their grunt suit following following after the Gundams. They were like, "Hey, listen, Gundams are cool and all, but goddamn, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, what if we made machines that were like not a million billion dollars?" <laughs> yep, it is. Um... And I mean, you know, we see how many environments they can get used in. They can be used in space, they can be used on the ground. You can 
even alter their performance because like the backpack can be swapped around where it is. You can add other add-on parts to it. It's just a it's it's one of the things you would want out of a cheat machine, right? A cheat machine that you can put in any possible you know situation and have it at least consistent performance. Maybe not the best performance, but consistent. And I think that that is worth something when you're designing a what is supposed to be you know a quote-unquote real robot. What is supposed to be a this is you know a thing that has been made to be cheap and used by a lot of soldiers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh. Also, it's just a cool-looking machine. Yeah, it's got yeah. a it's got an eye inside of its head. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I really like the way that this. Um, as I say, it does it does give a lot of Leo vibes to me, and the way that the head is shaped in a way to sort of like direct it. I feel like does a thing that sometimes you can't necessarily convey with a mobile suit is like where it's looking, and the mm-hmm. way you can with this head shape and the position of that of that screen just makes it really um, like that really great mix that I love anytime a mecha pulls it off of like humanity and inhumanity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's just such an emotive design. It is. And again, uh, so even beyond the uh, little TV eye it has, it also, uh, as I alluded to, it can pop open its head and it has a, like the primary camera on the inside. And that also can move around like an eyeball does and like track. And it's just, it's a very striking image because it almost looks like a mouth opening up, but there's an eye on the inside and it's really cool. Um, a very intim, like fr- from what looks like a very like, you know, standard, this is just what your run of the mill soldier is using in mobile suit. It, it ends up having like a couple of terrifying elements, like just being able to like pop the head open and do that or like, um, it's just, it's, it's really cool. I like this thing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a wide range of weapons it can use. You know, it's got, it's got an axe because of course it does. Um, if you're going to design a grunt, uh, yeah. it's going to be an axe. Um, well, got... I mean, the, um, the Leo doesn't have an axe. The Leo but... doesn't surprisingly. Yes. The Leo goes for the, um, beam sabers, uh, and which but... is, a little weird and cool for a grunt to have like at the beginning of a series mm-hmm. but yeah yeah but it is an interesting thing where i feel like i mean since this is our first ibo suit if we're talking about generally post-disaster mobile suit design is very physical mm-hmm. very like like it's it's very workmanlike and that doesn't mean it doesn't have style but it's very much focused on weapons that are like not necessarily glamorous are just kind of brutal Yep, just big, crunchy slabs of metal that will hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the Graze has, you know, it has like a big axe uh, or it has a big solid blade. Um, you know, besides that, it's got a solid machine gun. It's got a, it can use a bazooka. Uh, the bazooka is really cool because it's actually a thing that uh, it swaps out its shoulder to use because the bazooka is mounted on the shoulder. Um, mm. And uh, it's got... And then it's got, of course, a little tiny shield. Very, very little shield. <laughs> um, little adorable shield. And I, it's just a cool unit. Uh, it, um, like, so the reason I do compare it, like, so even though they do use beefer weapons, one of the big reasons I can kind of feel like it might be a little bit of a, a Zaku throwback too is just because the the Graze is the EB06 Graze, as in the MS06 Zaku. 
Um, sure. It uses a 120 millimeter rifle, which is the same caliber of rifle that the um, Zaku machine gun is. Uh, so mm. you know, just little things like that, and I'm like, it has you know, it axe. could be, it could be irony, it could, or not irony, it could be a coincidence. Irony. I don't know why I said irony. It could be coincidence. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it goes a little beyond coincidence, just how often like certain numbers and such show up. Um, mm-hmm. But the um, yeah, the 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 grays though. Uh, it's even among like the suits in that show. The thing is like, it's a suit that you see throughout the entire show. You see it in season one and even in season two pretty frequently. Um, mm-hmm. it's just that's another thing that kind of reminds me more of like the Zaku than anything because like. You know, in First Gundam, even when the Zaku is outdated, you still see Zakus. They're everywhere. Every battle features, like, a couple of Zakus. Um, and the Greys is just also one of those same kind of, this is a consistent machine, and you're going to see it throughout the war. Uh, you're going to see it throughout uh, every season. You're going to see variants on it uh, that don't really change too much. You know, you have things like the Greys ground type, which is just the Greys wearing some fancy shoes that let it hover, and it has, <laughs> like, little boosters on its legs. Um... You have the Grey's Ritter, which is a Grey's, like the ground type Grey's in a lot of ways, but also um, it has these really fancy sh- uh, shields or shoulder um, armor, uh, mm-hmm. as well as a very ornate decorative blade and a very ornate little uh, sort of like night crest mohawk thing going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, these all all these machines though, they're still just Grey's. Like, there's not a lot of part differences. Like. You, you change out the shoulders, you might change a weapon, it's still a graze. Like, it's still 90% the same machine. Um, and also, I think a thing that I feel like is worth saying um, is that because of the way the technology is in IBO, I mean, like, the graze is left behind performance-wise by the end of IBO, but not really, right? Like, the upper end, like, the Ace Customs have moved past it, but as far as a grunt suit, it's actually still fine. It's still fast, it can still use all the weapons. It's just a case of, like, a lot of these mobile suits have, have gotten to a point where they have so many armaments and have such better armor, and it can't keep up with that. Well, like, even in Season 2, you know, you get, you get like, some nations literally using machines that they just bought in Season 2 that are just cheaper versions of the Greys. You get, like, the Hloek Greys. Um, I think that's how that's pronounced. H-L-O-E-K-K. Hloek. Um, sure, we'll go with the, that. The the Hulk Grays is literally a version of the Grays that is stripped down and is cheaper. Um, that Gallarhorn produces to sell uh to other you know to to all the various economic blocks, but it's purposely weaker because well, I imagine this is just my own little uh idea. Uh, if you're selling weapons to people who can rebel against you, you always sell them the weaker weapon. Um, sure, sure. But like, yeah, like. You don't really get like a mass. Um, you, you don't like get a mass replacement for the Greys. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. the Regenlays comes up in uh, season two, and it's sort of like a the most direct of upgrades. And yet, um, I don't think you see very many of those. You get like, I think. No, I love it though. I love the Regenlays. Yeah, it's it's a cool machine too. It's just you know you don't get very many of them. You still get mostly Grazes and. Um, even by the end of the show, you're still get you get new graces being introduced. You have like the gray shield, which is like not even until like near the very end, and it's just a graze armed with like a halberd and a giant shield. Um, mm-hmm. and 
um it's 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 cool though uh it's such a cool machine because of that i think i think i, I love machines that are modular it's a the reason there are some mobile suits i look forward to more than others because this is one of them i get to talk about all the you know different variants on it um the and there is a weapon that you have not mentioned Oh, there! Oh, yeah. There is a very important <laughs> weapon. I just realized. Um, yes. Um, yeah, we should talk about the Dane's Leaf. Yep. So, um, in IBO, uh, there is a certain war crime weapon, more war crimey than all the others, that they are not allowed to use. It is the Dainslave. It is a railgun that is powerful enough to penetrate the armor that all like the mobile suits tend to use uh, in the ships uh, nanolaminate armor um and the thing is uh it's banned because same reasons why they the the gallerhorn would sell you know weaker versions of the grace to other countries the dynaslave equalizes rebellion against them because mm -hmm. they literally rely on we have all these giant thick ships covered in armor and we have all the good mobile suits if you have a weapon that invalidates that, um, they don't, I mean, they don't want you to have that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and they have no need to use it because they have all the power. So for a lot of the show, they don't really, you know, it doesn't come up really. And it's just like, oh, well, that's a war crime. We don't, we don't use that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's like, there's a point where like, not, not going into, into context because there's not much point. Um, but like these things have that power and they're shooting down at something from orbit yep it is it is like it is a very powerful railgun that uses a it is not just a railgun it's not just using like a little like what you expect of a railgun which it's is like also firing cylinder. rails <laughs> it's firing like yes a giant rod a giant spiked rod that is able to just it fires out really fast and it just blows through whatever it hits uh, if you fire it through a line of mobile suits, it will penetrate through all of them. You fire it, you can fire them from orbit, as they show in the show, which is always a terrifying thing that you probably actually do with, like, a, uh, a magnetic rail weapon. Uh, mm -hmm. is launched down from space, something like that. Um, and, yeah, no, it is a weapon that is fiercely terrifying, and we kind of see why it's banned. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, we, it's usually not used by the people you want to be using it, is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the greys can, um, basically they can just convert a greys into being able to just have one of these slapped onto its arm. Like, it, it's almost like an entire refit of the mobile suit. You remove its arms, uh, or you remove one arm, and you just put a giant cannon on it that has a big spike in the uh, a big spike loaded into it that reloads from the back, and it just fires it. And suddenly you now have a graze that is capable of, if necessary, destroying a fleet, destroying a Gundam, destroying anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the Dyneslaves, Dyneslaves are cool. Um, I mean, they're, they're horrifying, but they're cool. I, I, I like, yeah. I like, look, um, as much, as much as I feel silly about it, uh, sometimes I think real weapons in fiction are really cool. And then I think about the reality Listen. of them and I go, ooh. But I think that sometimes really cool you make something a war crime just because it's really effective, <laughs> not because it's yeah. like like I mean, listen, it doesn't like cause like radiation. It's not a biological weapon. It's just a gun that shoots really good. 
But... It, it just it just it just makes it just invalidates you know mobile suits and even the ships by their existence. There's nothing that stands up to them. Is the thing like yeah. You're you're in the most expensive ship Gallerhorn has, and you get hit by one of those. It puts a hole in your ship and it probably blows up a good section of it. Like that's one of the reasons it's so terrifying. Is it's a weapon that so outstrips everything else in universe too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess yeah, I, I'd be remiss not to mention that the 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 basic Grays is capable of you know mounting one of those and just you know using it. Um. The, the Grays also has the funny uh, variant of the Schwab Grays, which was actually a prototype, but it's a prototype in the sort of super prototype way, right? It's a prototype where it has more expensive features. It has boosters all mm. over it. It is better performing. Um, I, I like the Schwab Grays a lot. This uh, is that. This is that well. one with the... Uh, no, this is not the one with the sword. This is a different one. No, the Schwab is... Uh, used relatively early on in the show. Oh, I was um, thinking of the of the Ritter. Excuse me. Yeah, the Grays Ritter is great too, but um, the Schwab Grays is the prototype of the Grays, where it's, I mean, it, it it's not like a super prototype, I guess I should say it. It is better than a standard Grays. It is definitely the this is what you can do with all the bills and whistles attached type of uh, machine. Of course, sure, then they cheapened it. Right, that's the true nature of a prototype. I mean, like, Gundam loves to do prototypes that are like, well, this prototype, like, like, um, well, you know, the Tall Geese or, like, the RX-78-2, where it's like, this machine is so ridiculously leaps and bounds ahead of what it is made into as a production model. But in the real world, a lot of times, prototypes are actually better just because they don't care about cost, but they're not so much better that it eclipses the final product. Yeah, and, well, not only that, but... I mean, the thing is, you want to make your prototype look good because that's what all people with the money are looking at, right? Right, of course. <laughs> um, so I, um, but funnily enough, so you know, you would go, well, uh, this thing doesn't necessarily have much of a Zaku comparison. Then, if its prototype is stronger, but then you look at the uh, EVO four Garail, and the Garail is just the worst Grays. It is, in fact, um, the Zaku one of the Grays. Um, I, I I like oh, it though. It's just a little. It's a little boxy thing. friend. Yeah, it's yeah. a little boxy <laughs> nerdy friend. You can tell that it's like a less complicated graze, which is funny because the graze is already you know a bit of a simple machine. But this thing has even less angles on it. It's just a very boxy little friend. It doesn't have the exposed cables that you know give the sense that oh this thing has really cool engines going on because it has these two cables in the chest. No, it's uh it's just got like a little mobile suit spine kind of sticking out it's very this thing is very like almost industrial looking in a way that's um it's kind of fun because yeah it is the zaku one of the uh Grays family kind of um, almost almost insult to injury here how it has a 110 millimeter rifle <laughs> yep which um actually i need to look it up because i think that the Oh, actually, now that I think about it, the Zaku-1 uh, machine gun might not even be 110. It might be a 105. It is a 105. Yes, okay, damn. I was mm-hmm. wondering if that was another reference, but sadly not. Uh, the Zaku-1 uses a 105mm. But it, it is using a smaller caliber of machine gun than the Final Grays. Um, it is just a simpler-looking machine. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, it's still neat, though. It's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's a boxy little guy. Um, and then I guess the thing we could also go into with all the grazes is 
on the other end of things. So, um, well, we, we start getting some improved grazes as well, uh, besides just the Regen Lays, but these are field repair improvements. You have the Graze Custom, uh, which is what happens after the main characters basically steal a leftover graze and rebuild the parts of it that are damaged and, you know, add some more armor to it in a big uh, thruster on the back. Um, mm. And it's it's neat. Uh, it's just a weird field fitting. And that's kind of a thing I like a lot, especially in Season 1 of IBO, is you have a lot of these weird uh, field sort of refits of uh, mobile suits happen. Um, and of course, that gets further iterated on. You get the uh, uh, Grace Custom 2, also known as the Ryusei Go, which is used by another character. And it's same as the prior, but they added more boosters to the shoulders. They made the skirt bigger. It's still a Graze, though. It's still mostly a Graze, but yeah. And it also has uh, a hell of a paint job. <laughs> it has a very striking paint job. It's bright pink with some eyes looking at you. I yep. like it. Yeah, the eyes—the um, eyes really is what what sells it for me. The the eyes rule. <laughs> yep. And, oh, and also uh, the little fang also beneath the eye. Oh, look at the, the fang! I didn't notice that. Uh huh. So it looks like a little mouth. Uh, that that's actually. I wonder if that's retroactively why all grazes to me look like they have like weird animal heads, like when they open up to show the eye on the inside, is because of that particular paint job. <laughs> but um, yeah, um. And then if we want to get really into customs, since we did mention that this is a spoiler-based episode, um, I'm going to go in assuming you've seen all of IBO, uh, and this is also don't me care. elongating. Yeah. Or don't care. And this is also just me elongating a warning, so you have plenty of time in order to pause this beforehand. But uh, you have at the end of Season 1, the Grey's Ein, yes. which is a machine I really like. Uh, it's like... It is a giant mean machine uh <laughs> it is bigger than a standard graze by quite a bit um it is it uses a lot of the same parts of a standard graze but like they you can see where they modified it to like oh you know the legs have like a weird little attachment that make them even longer than a normal graze legs or like the way the arms stick out of the body far far from the body and stuff and then like how the forearms are just gigantic it is a monster of a machine uh it is really cool part of what i love about this machine is it feels like a again it is a prototype machine we talk a lot about prototypes and different types of prototypes and this is a type of prototype i don't feel like we've spoken of very much where it's just built for such a singular purpose as a mobile suit this thing is kind of bad um that's fair. That is fair. It doesn't really... So, it's it's giant, as we mentioned. It's really big. Um, it doesn't ha It doesn't actually use any handheld weapons for range. Um, it's only ranged weapons, or it has a pair of little uh, machine guns in the uh, in the shoulder that pop down and are, like, able to rotate. Which basically um, are useless against any other mobile suits. They're yeah, 40 they're not millimeter. Really, yeah, they're mostly just for, um, like, distractions, shooting things down or maybe like damaging cameras and stuff but like it's not really going to do a lot uh it does have two really big motherfucking axes on the back of it though <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> um uh and it also has uh uh its feet uh are able to uh basically like you can see they're like little claws they they fold up and just spin like a drill and it uses them as such 
Uh, it can do the same thing with the hands as well. They can rotate uh, really fast. And finally, the coolest thing, because I love these things, uh, it has a pair of pile bunkers in the wrists, which are just, you know, if you know what a pile bunker is, used for, like, what it's used for in real life, generally kind of the same idea. You have a big spike that um, goes really hard, really fast for a short distance to pierce through something. Um, in the case of the Grey Zine, it is for piercing through a mobile suit. Um, they're really cool. Uh, the... Um, but yeah, the Grey's Eye, though, yeah, like you mentioned, if this was something piloted by a regular person, it would be kind of a bad mobile suit, probably, because it doesn't really have much going on with it. Mm-mm. However, um, you know, it's it's also not piloted by a much of a person anymore. Hey, uh, hey, be nice. Well, okay, I'm speaking from a from a standpoint of, of a biological standpoint. Okay, fair um, enough. Ein, Ein is basically turned into a biological computer while piloting it. Um, he is... So, you know, if you've been watching IBO, which I assume you have, or maybe read a little bit about it if you're listening, or if you just don't care and you're just listening anyway, um, IBO features a system called the AB system. It is a sort of, like... I guess you could describe it as cybernetics, uh... It is a system that is used to pilot mobile suits, though. Um, you, you basically plug yourself in, your like your back into the mobile suit, um, link it with your nervous system, and it increases your piloting abilities. Uh, the Gray's Ein takes that to its most extreme by basically just having Ein by the time he pilots this be a torso and a head, um, and just a whole bunch of you know, weird little spikes coming out of his spine as he's plugged into this computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this thing does not move like how a mobile suit moves. This thing moves like a monster, which is what makes it scary. Um, mm-hmm. It is a huge, imposing thing that is able to move faster, uh, react faster than any other mobile suit on the battlefield. So it goes just from being like a big target with only melee to a thing that is basically able to like run around jump around you etc like while being taller than your mobile suit and basically being able to move like how a person would while just being a giant killing machine it's Um, a really interesting like to me it feels like a a mobile suit we haven't had a chance to talk about yet the uh psychos are the psycho um gundam it feels like mm -hmm. sort of uh, a spin on that idea in a way that i find really fascinating whereas the, Mm -hmm. the psycho gundam is like what if a gundam was really big and just sort of this machine of of deadly inevitability right Mm -hmm. um and the iron is so fast and so up close and personal in a way that the 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 psycho gundam is is very personal to the people piloting it but to everyone else it's deeply impersonal that i just find it really fascinating this giant you know you even have the fact that like a lot of times when you see the psycho gundam it also can go into its non-humanoid form which is like just flying around as a big fortress covered in guns um Mm -hmm. yeah the gray's ein is interesting because yeah it, it it leans into the whole this is like we're we're going to treat this like an organic thing aspect because of the way it is able to move and because of the way um 
because of the way like the pilot is linked to it you know you can basically think of it as the pilot on the inside is no longer like that that is no longer the person the whole mobile suit is the person now Mm -hmm. um well the uh well well what is inside is basically like the brain um rather than any more of like being any more the person uh it's just a again i I describe it as a monster but that's kind of how it gets shown it is just you know it has this bright red eye underneath its little yellow camera Mm -hmm. it is going across the battlefield just destroying things um it's so cool it is a really cool mobile suit and it is just um it's really fun because it's all built still basically like how the graze is but just big it's just got Mm -hmm. elongated limbs and it's got some axes and it's ready to hurt things also continuing the tradition of of uh ebo uh model numbers being like some sort of reference or something this is the ebax2 aka the axe 2 because it has two axes (laughs) god yeah that that is probably why it's like that isn't it i think didn't think about that i think so never actually thought about that before but yeah um uh, yeah, I guess that <laughs> that makes sense. Dorky. <laughs> it is very dorky. Um Ah, uh, but yeah, so I think that would be like the big, you know, the Grey's Ein is our big like, okay, this is the variant of the Grey's that we can talk the most about because well, well like we we brought up the Regen Lays and stuff. There's some stuff related to that that maybe could get its own episode. Um mm-hmm. But just for the Grey's, the Grey's Ein being like the uh sort of ultimate form of like this is a thing a soldier is piloting um you know i i think that the it's a good note to end on with the uh gray zine but uh mm-hmm. grace is cool grazes are cool i love them a lot um i mean you know a lot of the more recent shows regardless of how you feel about the show i think have had very solid uh grunt designs yeah and this continues that and, and you know i like I mentioned Double O, Age, etc. They all have designs I really like, regardless of feelings on the show. And the uh, the Grays is just another one of those. You know, it's just it's a really solid machine that just to me stands out. Um, you know, it's still got like its origins in certain mobile suits uh, throughout the history of Gundam, but it's just its own thing that is pretty cool. And it's also interesting because I feel like um, as these shows have, as these these, like, especially these alternate, these modern alternate uh, universes, as you've mentioned, um, to me, it feels like the grunt suits are actually where they get really interesting a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I have affection for some of the other like mobile suits and stuff, but like, I'm going to be honest, a lot of the Gundams from IBO, I don't like. Oh, see, okay. I do, I do disagree with you there, but see, you can bring up some of the other shows, and I could agree. But uh, like what? I, like I what? will. Uh, Double O, I, uh, I am mixed on some. Double O is pretty, I, yeah, hit and miss. That's fair. Um, I, I like a lot of them in artwork more than I do in animation. Um, it's, it's weird. Like some of them, uh, there's a lot of them that work. But, you know, it might be a consequence of how uh, Ebikawa and Yunase are designers because they also did like the Gundams for Double O. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their designs work especially well in 3D. Um, yeah. For their Gundams, but not as much to watch mm-hmm. in 2D. Um, and uh, but like their grunts kind of bypass that a lot of the time if they're designing like grunts or like non-Gundam suits. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like like when you mention like it's interesting to think about how I conjure up different mobile suits in my mind, right? Like when you talk about the RX seventy eight two, I just think of that thing from from double seventy nine. I think of that art of it, right? But when yeah. you mention like the Gundam Double O, I think of the Gundam Double O from Dynasty Warriors Gundam Three. Yeah, I can definitely see why that would be because you know the thing is. It's like, um, they just, the, the designs, the animation in those shows, uh, I mean, this is the thing that even happens in a lot of those older shows. One of the reasons season two of Double O's designs got a little bit more simple is because they, they were told to simplify the designs, the designers were, mm-hmm. because the season one designs were really detailed, but it was a little hard animating them consistently for the animation team. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. fair. That is a very fair thing. It's just, it's actually why I think IBO works. Because IBO now is able to do really detailed designs and, like, go in on them uh, for a lot of the Gundams and such, even. It helps that, mm-hmm. um, a thing I was going to mention is, a reason a lot of the grunts stick out to me, and, like, especially Double O and Age and stuff, is because the Gundams are Gundams in those shows. I mean, you know, they have their own unique features, but they're very Gundam-y in what they take on. I feel like IBO does a lot more with the form of a Gundam to make it, like, that's why I like IBO's Gundams a lot, is because I feel like they do a lot more modifying of the form of the Gundam while mm. they're still Gundams, uh, which is why I like them, personally. Mm-hmm. But, nevertheless, I do agree, though, the grunts and a lot of those shows are very standout, because, probably because the designers feel like they have more wiggle room. Right, um, right. You know, when you're designing the hero, the Gundam of the show, you know, you've probably got, like, a certain bunch of design points you have to cover on, or certain things that have to be shown through it. Um, when you're designing a grunt, you can kind of just do whatever as long as it, like, works. You know, there's not, like, all, always a huge chance of it necessarily getting a model, or at least if it gets a model, not, like, one super hugely detailed one that's going to be hard to make. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, you kind of have free reign just messing with the designs as you will. Um, and, or, or or even just because of the fact it's a grunt, you just get more creative freedom in general, right? Because you're not restricted by, well, this is the hero Gundam, so it needs to have face vents, it needs to have the red chin, it needs to have the tricolor, etc. You're able to just do whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it very much helps the designs, uh, I think. Yeah. But, also, yeah. uh, since since you mentioned it just real quick, I will note, um, and this could change, I guess, because uh, Dylan does also have access to this document. But so far, most of the non-UC stuff has been my additions. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at the spreadsheet for uh, Anno Domini, the double O timeline, you will note that uh, pretty much all the Gundams in that are season one. Almost no season two <laughs> Gundams are on there. Well, yeah, and th- th- that goes twofold, to be fair, because we probably would talk about the upgrade while also talking about the original. But, well, um, but you could, I'd yeah. talk about the season one upgrade, right? I would talk about the Dynamis and the Dynamis Torpedo or whatever. I wouldn't talk about the, <laughs> the fucking, weird MSV the, the Cherudim, because I just don't Look, care. <laughs> so, see, I, I might have to add a few of them then there. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, listen, I but, this this is very much me leaning towards the ones that I like and uh, are. Oh, yeah, our that's fair. Sem- and I mean, I, and I, I want there to be times when we disagree. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And not only that, it's like I can't I can't I can't be mad at you for that because I mean, 
you look at uh, early UC and suddenly you see, oh, look at these uh, advance of Zeta designs that uh, Dylan put in before anything else of note because I want to talk about them one day. Yeah, um, there was a moment. There was a moment where you're like, oh, I was like, oh, here's the wound wart. And I'm like, mm, yep, that's Dylan. <laughs> yep. Look, they're good. They're good. I, I well, don't disagree, but are, it is. <laughs> those are for another another time. Yeah. Indeed. Um. So, yeah, I guess that basically concludes our episode on the Grays, though. I think mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm we were talking, sign offs. While we were t- while we were talking, I looked up uh the Grays Ein uh, gunpla, and it's too expensive. But um. <laughs> Fair. Um. If if you find it when it's like from a, some sites when it's newer, probably won't be as bad. It's still probably going to run you like eighteen to twenty dollars because it's bigger. It's yeah. Tall. Well, it, the, the one I found know, was plastic. fifty dollars. So okay, yeah, no, that's no, no, too no, much no, no, money. no, don't touch that. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, if you, you shop from reliable places, uh, right, right, which is not Amazon because you know the problem with Amazon is because it's a whole bunch of storefronts listed there. You'll end up being oh, look, this this is sold out from all the stores that sell it at near MSRP, uh, except for one random dubious store that's selling it for, like, $80 for some reason, a high grade or a, ma- a master grade for, like, 150 And it's like, don't do that. Yeah. My advice to all of you listeners, please do not do that. I promise you, eventually Bandai will renew the kit and you will be able to get that thing for a good price. Or, not, I mean, maybe you'll get lucky time. and they'll do a revival of it and it'll look even better. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's always that's also always the case. Um, a P Bandai or something. Yep, uh, they might do a P Bandai where it's like a sort of variant, but also like improves the frame enough that it's just like, oh, this is really cool. Like, you get you you, you get a lot of those now. Actually, you, there's, the, there's quite a few where they decided on it. Here's the Gray's Ein Hyakushiki edition. Uh, no, <laughs> it would not. I don't think that. What remember what we said about gold in the last episode with all the angles? I actually think that, um, well, okay. Mm, okay, I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> Dylan, I'm, tell uh, people where to find shoot. you on the internet. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> uh, you can find me You can find me on Twitter.com. I am at LowPolyRobot with no spaces. Uh, and I'm generally live-tweeting stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I talk about robots a lot. If it wasn't a given from what you're listening to and from my username on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like PS1 and... That era of video games, again, probably ended up by Twitter. <laughs> anyway, so that's me. All right, and I am Six Detmar. You can find me on Twitter at Six Detmar, S-A-X-D-E-T-T-M-I-R. You can find my work at ScanlineMedia.com or Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. Folks, I am going to get back to building this RG double uh, O Quanta that I'm working on over here. Oh, fun. Uh, just the regular Quanta, I take it. Uh, wait, is, is there a, I mean, it's an RG, they don't, are there, they, they actually did do an RG of the, uh, of uh, the Quanta Full Saber. As really? Well. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Uh, n- it was a older P-Bandai, but. Huh, no, this is just, this is just the regular Quanta, but. <laughs> okay, just was curious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'm sure like a lot of us, I have a lot of kits waiting for me. <laughs> Well, not me. I, I don't let backlogs build up. I get too excited about building kits, so I build them all, and then I'm sad because I have nothing to build. Oh, I get really anxious that I'm gonna fuck them up. Ah, uh, fair. So, but um, what's what's the sign off for this one? Orphans Namida. The song rules.
I'm just saying. <laughs> but, yep. All right. Peace.